to episode 147 of the Various Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who won a plant today, John Scott Sloat. Doc, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> you also won a plant today. Yes, yes, I did. We both had our names drawn at kind of the Grace uh, all employee all, all staff all, meeting. Yeah, all staff meeting, and uh, they're handing out plants for uh, assessment, at, which sounds funny. Yeah, it's it's going to take way. <laughs> too, it's an extended metaphor, anyway. Yeah, but they were handing out plants. I want a plant. You want a plant. Yes. Seven other people won plants. Yeah. That was life. Yeah. Um, so have you decided if you're keeping your plants in your office or are you taking it home? What? I haven't decided yet. Okay. No. I, don't I, have a, I don't necessarily have a good window in my office. That's for, true. For plants. That's true. So I have plenty of sunlight in my current office, your old office. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good office for plants. It is. Um, so I, I texted a picture of it to my lovely wife. And so she wants me to bring it home to see if it sits in a certain, fits in a certain area, but it might come back to my office. Mm. We'll see. It's going to be a transient plant for a little bit. It it could be. Hmm. Yes, it could be. So, um, well, we're recording back on our normal schedule. We're back. Yes. Recording on a Monday. And, um, this is sort of the last hurrah really for, warm fall weather, I think, that we're in right now. I think today and maybe tomorrow as we record, um, like today's up in the 70s. Yesterday, all weekend was in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like the last hurrah for um, warm fall weather. And the leaves are like hitting that peak oh, yeah. color right now. It oh, is yeah. beautiful around campus. Really enjoyed my walk across campus this morning and just the the colors and the warm temperatures for sure. So yeah, the the last couple of weeks of October, first week of November, really pretty on campus. Yes, really very pretty. Much so, very much so. Well, one of the downsides of us not recording on our normal schedule last week um, was that it interfered with our ability to really do the sports update properly. But before yeah. we get to that, um, how was your trip out east? It was good. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, you know, I had. So Monday last week, the day we would have normally recorded, I was in five different states and the District of Columbia. So I woke up in New Jersey. I'm sorry. Yeah, never a good start. (laughs) (laughs) Not really apologies. I mean, but apologies to our – I don't know how many listeners we have in Jersey, but – To our New Jersey population. Um, (laughs) And then I drove through Delaware to a meeting in – Pennsylvania, okay. and then drove to the District of Columbia, Yeah, had a meeting there, then had dinner in Virginia and drove and went to bed in Maryland. Okay. That is five states in the District of Columbia there in you a go. day. Yeah. It was a day. It was a D-A-Y for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, uh, welcome back. And um, yeah, so uh, – Let's go ahead and jump into our sports update. Um, let's start with college football because that's okay. near and dear to my heart. Um, I I want to go back a week. Yeah, I mean, the well, previous, there was there the was previous a, weekend was a, there was a monster. It was a great day of college football so in general. I was in the Atlanta airport at that time 
while the Tennessee-Alabama game was going on. Yeah, and I sat down next to a Alabama fan. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so she had been a hotel operator for Hilton for years mm-hmm. and had run a Hilton in Tuscaloosa. Oh, my. And so had many players, players, oh, yeah. families. And she's talking about like all of the like greats she's met. Sure. Met Joe Namath, met all these people. And we're sitting there talking and she just keeps going, we ha- we've we beat them for 15, 15 straight years. We we just can't keep it up. We ju- we're going to have to lose at some point. We're going to have to yeah. lose at some point. It's like she was preparing herself for this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then uh, the, la- the final two minutes were coming on and my plane was getting ready to board. <laughs> and so I ran to my plane, boarded, and watched on the little screen yeah. the field goal okay. go through. Yeah. I mean, I I only watched – I watched probably the last three minutes of the game on my phone. I was at a wedding. Mm. So unable to watch. Oh, we were texting about that. Yeah. About yep. that wedding yep. a little Great bit. Great wedding. The uh, – yeah, I – I mean, I'm impressed by Tennessee. I think obviously they've proven themselves that they're one of the four best, five best teams in the country. Um, they still got Georgia uh, on the schedule. They though. do. Um, yeah, I'll get back to. I want to circle back around to the uh, college football playoff Armageddon scenario that is possibly forming here. We'll get back to that. Okay. Um, and uh, but I want to move to this most recent week, Ohio State. In a very clunky game, beat Iowa 54-10. You call that clunky? Uh, it was clunky. Just the start of it was. The, our offense looked out of sync. Hmm. Um, we got we forced a turnover. We forced six turnovers from Iowa. Iowa's offense, even though it's not statistically the worst in college football, it has to be the worst in terms of Power Five. I, I cannot fathom that there's anybody worse on offense than Iowa is. They're terrible. Usually Iowa can run the ball. That's yes. normally their bread and butter, but they can't do that. No, they can't. Okay. They can't run it. They can't throw it. The only reason they scored 10 points, they had one drive where they kicked a field goal and they had they forced a defensive touchdown. They sacked C.J. Stroud, caused a, a fumble, picked it up, scored. So they were actually up 7-3. It didn't last. That long. is clunky. And Ohio State just couldn't get their offense going. Like they, they had four drives that they settled for field goals uh, it wasn't until the second half where they kind of opened things up and really got into a rhythm. So, look, it, if, if you play clunky and, and play against the second-best defense, statistically speaking, in the country and still win 54-10, I'll take it. Um, other games from the weekend, uh, the, one of the big matchups was Oregon beating UCLA. That was a like a 9-versus-10 matchup. Um, Old Miss loses to LSU. That just means Old Miss was overrated. They were seventh. There's no way they were the seventh best team in yeah. the country. Particularly and, if you're losing LSU's in a down year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, next week, Ohio State travels to Penn State. That'll be their toughest game left besides that team up north. Happy Valley. Yep. Nice. It'll be a noon kick instead of the evening game, which they've typically had the last few years, and um, no whiteout. Some so, bold strategy. Yeah. Let's see if it works out for him. Yes, hopefully not. Um, 
Okay, now here, here's the here's the Armageddon yeah, what, scenario. Tell me, I don't know what you mean by this Armageddon scenario. Okay, so there are four teams that make the college football playoff, right? Sure. So here's the problem in the SEC. Right now, you have Alabama with one loss. Mm-hmm. They're in the Western Division of the SEC. Sure. They win out. They make the SEC championship game. Tennessee and Georgia, both undefeated, are in the East. Mm-hmm. So what happens if Georgia beats Tennessee, wins the East, goes to play in the SEC championship game, undefeated at the time, but Bama beats them? Bama gets in because they're the SEC champion. They beat sure. Georgia most recently. They're getting in. Then what do you do with Georgia, who is 12-1? and one, mm-hmm. And lost to Alabama. And lost to Alabama. Yeah. Or Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. Same, who same problem. beat Bama but lost to Georgia. Are you really going to put three teams in the playoff? Are you really going to put three SEC teams in the playoff? I don't know. Unless you've got some two-loss conference champions elsewhere, even though you could probably make the argument that – Those are three very good teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the winner of the Big Ten, is, is it's either going to be Ohio State or Michigan. Mm-hmm. And if they are uh, undefeated, they're in. That's a lock. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. Yeah. But then what do you do with the other spots? Like assuming Clemson – I mean maybe Clemson wins out. And if they're undefeated and they go through the ACC, even though the ACC is garbage – they're going to get in. They almost got beat by Syracuse yeah. this weekend. Yeah, ACC is terrible this year. Um, and then the Pac-12, you've got one loss Oregon. Okay, great. They got embarrassed by Georgia the first weekend, 49-3. Yeah. There's no way they're getting in over Georgia. Mm-hmm. So um, – and then what about the – you have the uh, Big 12 where currently TCU is undefeated. If they run the table and they're unbeaten – as a conference, you got to figure they need a spot. They're going to get in, or what if they lose to? They've already beaten Oklahoma State once, but they'll probably play Oklahoma State again in the conference championship game. Like it could be an absolute mess of now, one loss teams. All that could be fixed by Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC, SEC championship. Yeah, right. That would Alabama. that would eliminate Alabama. Yes, so that would fix some some of the problem. Um, or Tennessee beats Alabama in the SEC cha- SEC championship. That would also fix it. Yes. Yeah, that would eliminate Alabama. Let's see if Tennessee wins. Let's say Tennessee wins out mm-hmm. and they beat Bama for a second time. No easy task. But let's oh, say yeah. they do it. You're going to have people saying, well, what about Georgia? One lost Georgia. They lost to Tennessee. Oh, yeah. So I don't know how you're going to avoid having to put two teams in from the SEC. Yeah. And that's going to make people lose their minds. Luckily, is it next year? This all gets this all gets fixed. Well, no. Um, twenty twenty six is the official start of the twelve Gosh, team. They need to move that up. But they're working to try to move it up. I think next year is going to be too soon to move it up. It's just too many moving parts to to move it up. But anyway, that's your uh, college football playoff Armageddon scenario. Yeah, and, and it's it, very and it's very feasible. Oh, yeah, very feasible. Like it, it doesn't take a large leap of imagination and you'd potentially have a one-loss Big Ten team. Whoever loses Ohio State versus Michigan, that's probably – that's, that's going to be their only loss. Mm-hmm. So you have a one-loss team from the Big Ten whose only loss was to a, a, a one or two ranked other team. Yeah. <laughs> who is also – and the other team's going to be in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it it's going to be fascinating. Now, again, things can happen and upsets happen. And so who knows if that'll pan out, but it could be very interesting. As an Ohio State fan, I'm not worried if they win out, they're in. Yep. They're a lock. I think, I think that's right. All right. John, let's talk about your surprising J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. What would you like to know? <laughs> How are they five and two? So uh, I think it's a combination. So early in the season when they lost a couple mm-hmm. to the Bengals and uh, to the Ravens, I think the secondary, the defense was a little overly complex. And so I think starting week, oh, four, they simplified the playbook a bit. Okay. So at that point, for before going into week four, we were one and two. Um, when they did that, I think we saw a little bit tighter coverage. Guys knew what they were doing more mm-hmm. easily. And so I think the defense stepped up its game a little bit. Yeah. We started getting quarterback pressures. I think we're in the last four weeks number one in the league in quarterback pressures, something like that. Okay. And uh, quarterback hits, I believe. And so that's – I think that was a real key. And then I also think the other key was we just started handing the ball off a lot more. We just started running the ball. Yeah. Um, now, didn't your running back get hurt yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Was it Brees Hall? Is that his name? Yes, Brees Hall, or as Ian Eagle said, Brees Lightning. <laughs> Ian Eagle. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's what's his status? Do I, you know, I'm hearing out for the rest of the season, according to Twitter. Oh, okay. So knee injury. Yeah. Okay. So who else you got? Um, to run the ball. To run the ball, Michael Carter, second year player, young guy, more of a downhill. Runner, so doesn't break the home run, but tends to be probably three to five yards in a cloud of dust sort of okay. guy. Um, we run a lot of end arounds with Garrett Wilson or uh, Braxton Berrios, okay. those types of guys. Uh, and then I understand we're probably in the market. If I'm reading everything right on Twitter, we're probably in the market for a running back. All right. So um, realistically – your Jets are going to be a wild card team if they make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. If if we make the playoffs, if you make the playoffs, yeah. yeah. And I think we had enough I mean, the injuries. Bi- the Bills are going to win the, the AFC. East. Well, we're tied for second in the NFC, or excuse me, the AFC for record with with the Chiefs, but we're behind the Bills. Right, and you've not played the Bills yet. No, either you play them twice. Play them twice. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's hard for me to see the Bills not winning the AFC East. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think I think the the Jets have a couple fourth quarter comebacks in this, a couple of tight games. They could mm-hmm. easily go the other way, yep. you know. Um, so I I think if they keep playing consistent, keep playing good defense, you're going to be in positions to win games down the stretch. Okay. Maybe not against the Bills, but maybe set yourself up for a wild card spot. Yeah. And that would be a Overshooting expectations yeah, for the for season. Sure, for sure. So. For sure. Yes, indeed. Maybe they can get to nine and eight, ten and seven. Oh, that'd be incredible. Double digits would be incredible. Yeah. Um, Zach Wilson did not play well on Sunday. And you still won. And we still won. But the Broncos are bad. They have a great defense. Right. Great defense, but their offense is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Offense is real bad. Yes. Um, Elsewhere in the NFL, I think the other uh, – uh, one of the big games of the week was 
the Chiefs going into San Francisco and putting it to the 49ers. That game was very competitive in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then second half, Chiefs just sort of ran all over them. Uh, big news there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey traded on Friday from the Panthers to the Niners. Yeah. And two days later, he's playing for the Niners. And he did well. He I did. thought he did pretty well. He did. I And early on, they, they used him very well. Um, and they'll only get better with him in terms of once he knows the playbook. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you had the sense that it was a lot of just, all right, what's the play? That means you run right. Okay. Or, hey, that means you run the wheel route. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and he got and he'd do it. And he was, you know, he was effective. So the question will be, can he stay healthy? He's always had the injury issues. You know, anytime I watch the 49ers, for some reason, I always forget it. But I forget what a freak athlete George Kittle is. Oh, yes. He's a beast. That was out there the, on the matchup field. of the tight ends. Mm-hmm. You had Kittle oh, yeah. and you had Kelsey uh, on uh, the, the Chiefs. I mean, are there any better tight – like those are the two best tight ends in, in football right now. Are they not? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I can't think of anybody else. So uh, that's fascinating to watch. They're, they're both really skilled, gifted, just impossible matchups. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we should get moving here. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you've largely stopped paying attention to the baseball playoffs. Um, I was pleased to see the Yankees were eliminated. Yeah, but it's the Astros. I know. But it's the Yankees too. I know, but, but it, it's it's the Astros. Well, I mean, think think about. But it was it's the Phillies as well for me. You know, yeah. it's like division rival that we literally stomped into the ground yeah. this year. I don't think they had enough wins against us all season to qualify as a win in the post uh, to qualify for wins to advance in a postseason. Yeah, best like I don't think they had four wins against us all year. Maybe four. But but baseball can be funny that way. That teams catch fire. That, oh yeah, that may, maybe as much as if not more than any other sport. I mean, hockey you can get that a little bit too, where a team just kind of gets into the playoffs and then they catch fire. Um, doesn't happen as much. It can happen in the NFL with a wild card team, but oftentimes those yeah. wild card teams are like, well, they were just in a really great division behind a team, or they had a really easy schedule, yeah. or yeah, uh, so. Yeah, baseball seems especially susceptible to that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. you, you end up with a Astros versus Phillies World Series, which no one would have predicted that. No. Um, Lots of people were picking the Astros. Yeah. No, no one. Yeah. No one in their right mind. Yeah. Outside but, of the I mean, city. Everyone probably has to has a moral obligation to prefer the Phillies over the Astros in, that, in light of the Astros history. I don't know. I'm rooting for an earthquake or something. <laughs> it was yeah. – uh, yeah. Well, uh, and the NBA season is underway, um, but it's so early that we're not paying attention. So it's it's preseason that counts right now. <laughs> right, 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 right. All right. You ready to move on, John? Sure. Well, we'd like to welcome back those of you who skip ahead from the sports section mm-hmm. to our main topic today. We are starting a series today on miracles. Yeah. And in particular, the series will focus on the miracles of Jesus. But today's introduction will be a little bit bigger picture. Um, so uh, let's let's start with the question and, you know, sometimes we ask the question, why are we talking about this? And the primary answer is always 
because we need content. But mm-hmm. beyond just needing content sure. to produce this free weekly entertainment that you're enjoying right now, uh, what what prompted us to talk about this particular issue? Um, well, I mean, I, one thing that comes to mind is I, I taught a Sunday school class on miracles. Goodness, probably four or five years ago, we were going through the miracles of Jesus in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's – I think I th- – did I throw this out? I think I did. Yeah, this was your idea. Um, and we, we had done something on the parables earlier. When, when we think yep. of Jesus' ministry, we, yeah. we often think of them in, in terms of parables, his discourses, mm-hmm. uh, and then also his, his miracles. And, and so that yeah. feels like a, a pretty major piece of what Jesus was doing in his ministry. Absolutely. Um, so it feels like that's why it matters. You yeah, know, for this, sure. This, this was a pretty major part of Jesus's ministry uh, that maybe we don't experience quite as much anymore. You know, it, you know, <laughs> like, like, should we? You know, uh, uh, like, why did all these things stop? Why did you know? Why did the blind stop receiving signs? Why, why did yeah. all this happen? You know, um, it it can be a curious thing for the sure. for the new approacher uh, for the person recently approaching scripture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one place to start is we should think through what exactly we mean by the term miracle because in everyday conversation, that term can be used very loosely. Sure. You know, you your team wins a game that you didn't expect or they mm-hmm. do it in a way that is unexpected and you go, well, that was a miracle that we won that game, right? Mm-hmm. Very common sort of thing. Um, but that's not how we're really using that term here. We're using it in a much more narrow sense. Sure, sort of a. And I'm not looking at our note sheet. I know we have a <laughs> a, a form definition there, but yeah. but something something supernatural that happens outside of the natural order. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So let's go with the definition. This is taken from a really helpful article by John Collins. That's on the Gospel Coalition. It's part of their set of resources. They have like essays on different theological topics mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And uh, this is the one on miracles. He defines it as, uh, in the fullest sense, it's an event of God's providence in which the outcome goes beyond what the natural properties of the created things involved could have produced. So basically, something that happens that goes beyond what a natural explanation of of circumstances or events can can reasonably explain. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so you find a parking spot at the front of Kroger, not a miracle. Not a miracle. But somebody chops your arm off, it grows back. Miracle. Okay. Okay. Just to <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah. We, should we go through a lightning round of miracle or not miracle? <laughs> uh, the Jets five and two. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. I'll, I'll have to think about that. Um, so. Yes. Uh, how do you think? How do you think most people view miracles? Like contempt, talk, let's let's talk outside the church, not okay. the ordinary every everyday person that you bump into at your local church, but let's move outside of that context to um, sort of the non-Christian general population. And again, this is going to vary dramatically depending on where you live. I think, but. Um, you know, take that the direction you want to go. People, do you think people allow for, anticipate, believe in 
miracle, even defining defining it as we're defining it, mm. not in the sort of more broad sense of something unexpected happening. Something that, fortunate happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think when people look at the miracles of scripture, they mm-hmm. go impossible, unscientific, couldn't happen. Okay. Uh, and so I think it's a reason for skepticism of the scriptures. So you think that's the more common view among non-Christians would be to be inherently deeply skeptical or just dismissive of? Yeah. It, I mean if uh, this assumes that the non-Christian knows the scriptures well enough to know that there are miracles in there. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not sure biblical literacy is at a point in our broader Yeah, but even that. I think people who aren't familiar with the Bible who have some familiarity with Christianity – Know about know, know about, about the miracles. G- Jesus' reputation mm-hmm. as doing miracles. Yeah. Um, so you think that's the the default position? I think so. Would you? Are you skeptical of my default position? Maybe. How so? Maybe. So I think. Um, I think, I would agree with that if I was talking about thirty to forty years ago. Mm-hmm. But as our culture has become more. Um, infused with postmodern sensibilities, hmm. I think that there is more openness to the spiritual realm than there was 30 or 40 years ago. Now, hear me carefully. The spiritual realm, vaguely mm-hmm. defined by postmodern sensibilities. Uh, so that there might be more um, – or let me put it this way. There, there might be less inherent skepticism about, well, that could be possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think 30 to 40 years ago, uh, more and more people were uh, very modern in their outlook and very scientifically – much more scientifically bent towards, well, you can't produce it in a laboratory? Well, that couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. That, that's just my sense. Yeah, I so mean – I guess I don't know how you weigh out the like – and again, that's why my initial question is impossible in the sense of like what do you think most people or the sort of default position? Yeah, I mean – like I think of a category of people that like are true believers that Bigfoot's out there. You know, yeah. the, those are the people that I think that are probably more open. I think that's a smaller portion of the population than mm-hmm. than the than the skeptic. Yeah, but yeah. but I hear what you're saying. Like like mm-hmm. I think I think there is a like I think of some TV shows I watch where the characters are talking about oh the universe is going to do this for me or yeah. the universe is, and that if you're talking in that way like yeah I think there's a real openness for that. Um, right. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think um, it's it's interesting to to consider that. Um, this is a side note. I don't want to get sidetracked on this, but I, I wonder too, like, if part of the uh, the interest in uh, superhero movies, Marvel, mm-hmm. and, and everything else, um, is attached to or a product of more postmodern sensibilities of. Longing for transcendence, longing for something mm-hmm. that's beyond our sort of ordinary everyday experience that doesn't have an obvious explanation. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think so. Now, I think um, even though our our series will focus on the miracles of Jesus, I think it's interesting to, to wrestle with should we as believers today expect miracles? And maybe expect is a loaded word. <laughs> or should we as do we as believers think that miracles can happen? That's a little less loaded, right? 
Y- yes. I mean, you can say, I think they're possible, but I don't expect them. Mm-hmm. That's a reasonable position. So maybe let's, let's, let's parse that out. Can they happen today? Uh, d- As now, defined by what we're doing. What so we're doing. are we talking about a, a, a person becoming regenerate? Uh, a miracle because because there's there's part of that where I think that fits our definition, right? Uh, people unable to do things themselves, mm-hmm. uh, being brought to new life. That feels a that feels like a miracle to me. And, yeah. and if if we're calling that a miracle, then absolutely that's happening. Okay, all the time. Yes. Now, are people receiving sight that we're blind when people are rubbing mud on 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 the right. face? I'd be highly skeptical. Okay. Okay, so let's – and maybe people will object to this, but let's bracket out <laughs> the conversion piece, the regeneration okay, okay. piece. Okay? And let's, let's, let's keep the discussion to um, miraculous healings, for example, or, um, or even just unexplained natural events or phenomena that you're like, well, that, that's, that, there's no good explanation for that in – the natural world that must have been a direct act of God going outside of his normal means of providence to mm-hmm. do that. Do you think those happen today? I think they can happen. I'm highly skeptical. Okay. All right. Where are you at? Um, I, I'm, I'm in a very similar place. I think that it would be unwise for us as Christians – to say they can't happen. Mm-hmm. I just think there's so uh, – what what worries me about that sort of definitive statement is that it feels very much like a sort of practical atheism or a practical anti-supernaturalism. Mm-hmm. And um, th- that's just not a biblical perspective I don't mm-hmm. think. Now, once you allow for – well, sure, God can, but does he? And if he does, is it something he often does? Like what's, mm-hmm. what's the frequency? What's the regularity here? And again, we're kind of bracketing out the salvation conversion yeah. piece of things. Um, but uh, yeah. What do you think it would take to convince you that a miracle happened? <laughs> I don't know that I've thought about this. Um. I don't know. I I don't have a ready-made answer. Do you have one ready-made? I don't know about ready-made. I mean – Like I had never thought about it before. I don't think. Like what would it take mm-hmm. to convince me? Maybe maybe, maybe seeing it with my own eye. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that would do the trick. Yeah. I think for me it would probably take – I mean in one sense there would have to be reliable – Evidence and testimony mm-hmm. to confirm it. I mean, now, look. I, I mean, you and I. There, we have a listener to the show who had a a child who had mm-hmm. a who the do, the doctors diagnosed with a condition, a heart condition, mm-hmm. and the surgeon got in there and couldn't find evidence of the the condition. heart condition. How do you explain that? I mean, you could 
Well, the diagnosis was wrong. Yeah, that's the, kind of my first thought. The, the imaging tool or whatever whatever test they used to determine a shadow or something was yeah. was incorrect. Mm-hmm. That's very possible. Yeah, but I also think it's possible that God just directly healed that person. It's very possible. Yeah. Um, either way, I think it's a cause for celebration and for um, for rejoicing and praising God and giving mm-hmm. glory to God. Absolutely. So. I think for me it would take uh, some sort of reliable testimony where you could say, okay, here's a person who I I was there or I saw this and they are reliable and trustworthy. I think that would be a starting point. Yeah, I, that, would, that would be a starting point. <laughs> but you're not convinced. No, no. I think – I tend to be a pretty skeptical person when it comes to these things, which is ironic to me because you're the pes- you're the optimist. I'm the optimist. This. Yes, I'm just a f- I'm a firm believer that like a lot of the things we see is confirmation bias. Like when sure when I see these things on whether it be social media or somebody sends me something, it's like mm-hmm. oh my goodness, look at this Christian thing that's happened in the world. You yeah. know, it tends to be tweaked or meant to confirm biases that people receiving it already have. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's I think there's good reason to be highly skeptical of those things. And yeah. I think people going, "Oh my goodness, this miracle's happened that that benefits me in the exact way that I wanted." Mm-hmm. feels like a confirmation bias sort of thing. Okay. Okay. So then why do you privilege what's in scripture in terms of in terms of miracles? Well, it's called special revelation. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so, so, so <laughs> it's it's in a unique category right, by good. itself. Yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, what's interesting to me is, uh, and you, you you sort of brought this up earlier in the conversation about um, why do these things not seem to happen like they did in biblical times? Mm-hmm. Um, I think all. Unless you're really on the like, except ex- sort of extremely charismatic Pentecostal end of things. Oh yeah, kind of the Benny Hinn version of this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, you're really not arguing that these things happen just as much as they did mm-hmm. during, you know, the New Testament period, for example. Yeah, um, which does raise that question, and I think the answer, in my mind, is. What's the purpose of these things? What are the purposes of these miracles? Yeah. And that biblically speaking, I think it's very clear in the Gospels, the miracles were intended as authenticating marks of Jesus' proclaimed message about who he is and what he was doing. Mm -hmm. They were intended as authenticating um, actions to demonstrate what I'm saying is true. Mm -hmm. And – it's interesting when you look at key moments in redemptive history, these kinds of things tend to show up. When God does something significant or dramatic in redemptive history, it is often accompanied by miraculous events or signs to verify that this is of God. And so I think in my mind, that's there's your reason why it doesn't happen today nearly as much, if at all. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we're not at a specific moment in redemptive history mm-hmm. that warrants these sort of authenticating signs. Yeah. 
I think they are authenticating signs for the audience listening to Jesus, although it clearly didn't work in every, you know, for, for everybody in his audience. Sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's certainly true of his apostles as well. When we see his mm-hmm. apostles doing signs, I think I think it's an authenticator. Yeah. You know, the And it was the same for Moses as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I think I think I do believe that Jesus is a bit of a special case. Uh for many reasons. Uh, but in the case of miracles. Breaking news. Jesus is a special case. You heard um, it here first. I, I think I think his miracles ultimately point forward to his uh, death and resurrection. Uh, and, you know, uh, sort of the ushering in of his kingdom, ushering in of new life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that is part sure. of what his miracles are about also. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think – and showing his his deity as well. That, right. That's another aspect yeah, of absolutely. it as well. Yeah. Um, I might say it slightly different, though it's not disagreeing with what you said. Mm. Um, I think his miracles tend to be um, tastes of the new creation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're anticipations of what the fullness of the new creation will be. Oh, yeah. When you look at the things he ends up doing, mm-hmm. uh, they're previews. Absolutely. They're, they're movie trailers yeah. to the to the big feature film coming down the road. Yeah. It's the new creation bursting into the yes. old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. One, you know, uh, 100. What, what am I supposed to say to agree with you? <laughs> and, the new, and the new kid vernacular. I don't know. You're asking me. I'm 10. I'm what, like 15 years older than you? Like, yeah, but you got, <laughs> you got youths in the house, you know? Yeah, I am running a, a dorm in my basement. So basically. Uh, so yeah, next week uh, we'll continue our series, and what we're going to do is each week we'll pick uh, a specific category of Jesus miracles. I don't off the top of my head, I don't remember specifically which one we're starting with. Uh, we'll have uh, an episode on like his food and drink miracles. We'll have an episode big on fan, his, big his, fan, big uh, fan. His casting out demons, the exorcisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do some nature miracles in there as well. Yeah, so, there's a couple different kinds of nature miracles. It's in, you know he, yeah. Walks on water, control. You know, you know. There's, there's some different ones. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Uh, as well as healings. So, yeah. So yeah, that's what uh, we'll have to look forward to uh, in the weeks ahead. We do have some resources uh, listed there. Uh, we'll put them in the show notes. The I really would recommend that short article by John Collins on the Gospel Coalition. It's really helpful. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a classic book on miracles. Um, you. Uh, brought my attention to the book by Vern Poitras, The Miracles of Jesus. You said he, he walks through basically most, if not all, the miracles. and So he walks through all the sign miracles in John, okay. and he walks through all the miracles of Matthew or select miracles yeah. of Matthew. Okay. I can't remember which. But also it gives like some broad chapters on miracles generally. Yeah. And then uh, Craig Keener has a two-volume set entitled Miracles, the Credibility of the New Testament Accounts, which both deals with the sort of historical credibility of Jesus' miracles as mm-hmm. well as even just the larger category of miracles and and do they happen today mm-hmm. in which he is a big advocate for. They absolutely do. So well worth checking out. You ready to move on? Sure. All right. It is time for This Day in Sports History, October, that should say 25th, not 18th. Okay. October 25th, 2022, payday, 
as it's known at Grace College. That's right. Payday. Uh, 1964, uh, the wrong way run Viking Jim Marshall runs 66 yards in the wrong direction for a safety. You see – if you've watched much football, you've probably seen that clip, right? I, I believe I when I used to watch NFL films all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw classic that clip. clip. Uh, he gets to the end zone. His teammates are even trying to tr- chase him down. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, fun funny story about that. So I had Madden when I was a kid. Yeah, and if you took the ball with the running back and ran in the wrong direction, they would reference this, and they would say things like. Get the controller away from the dog, you know, <laughs> sorts of stuff. Anyway, uh, 1968, uh, U.S. men's basketball team beats Yugoslavia, may it rest in peace, yeah. uh, 65 to 50 to win the gold medal at the Mexico City Olympics, seventh straight basketball title for the Americans. Yeah, and that streak would actually be broken in 72. By uh, the Russians, right? By the Russians. By the Soviets. Soviets, yeah. yeah. Uh, 1975, the Denver Nuggets, first game at McNichols Sports Arena. They beat the St. Louis Spirits. I've never heard of the St. Louis Spirits. Okay, good. Neither had I. (laughs) I have a sense that you're going to like the next one. Oh, boy. Uh, One of my favorite years ever, 1986. Yeah. Trailing five to three with two outs and no one on in the bottom of the 10th, the New York Mets rally with, uh, uh, I marked through the words, to, uh, win. to win the World Series. Uh, game six. Game six of the World Series, six to five on Bill Buckner's play. Yeah. Right through his legs. Right through the legs. And who hit that ball? Do you remember? Uh, was that Mookie Wilson? It was Mookie Wilson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Vin Scully was on the call, I think. He was He doing, was. He uh, was. I mean, he, he's best known for being the Dodgers play-by-play. Mm-hmm. But at, th- at that point, he was NBC's um, lead guy in terms of like World Series stuff. So, yeah. Um, and who was it that who was it that came around third to score? I remember them – was it Ray Knight? I believe it was Ray Knight. Yeah. Like, I remember him like raising his arms up and celebrating as he's like getting around third because he knows he's going to score. And yeah. So, I mean, that – how does that not as a sports person, as an athlete, like it, it basically came close to ruining Bill Buckner's life. But you want to know what – all. All the credit in the world to Bill Buckner. He did what you're supposed to do in that moment where that goes through your legs. He went and took every single question oh, yeah. at, at the table from, yep. from the press after that. And yeah. I think handled it with a lot of class, yeah. um, has handled it with class since then. I've never heard a, an outrage out of him or a, yeah. you know never screamed at a reporter or anything like that. He, yeah. He's a class act, Bill. I mean part of what made that so – uh, awful was the fact that the Red Sox had not won a World Series in forever at that point. Well, it was part of the curse. They right. talked about the, the curse the, of the Bambino. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, so I think for a while, Red Sox fans sort of saw that as that was our best chance. And then, of course, when they finally won the series, 
I forget the first time they won the series. I think it was 2004. I think it was four. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think that like made him less of a object of wrath for the Red Sox fans. Yeah. But yeah, I think kind of like a kind of like a guy who interfered with the fly, fly ball at Wrigley. Bartman. Yes. Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman. Yeah. Poor guy. I, oh. I hear he's gone through like changed his face and gone through reconstructive surgery and all these I, things. I I think it's even worse that I mean it, it's one thing if it's an athlete because mm-hmm. in one sense it's like you kind of sign up for that right yeah like, oh that's yeah part of being a professional athlete is when I make a great play people are going to celebrate and talk about how great I am and if I blow it I'm going to get crushed yep that's kind of the deal you sign but this guy's a fan yeah. And oh yeah, poor guy. Yep, interfering with Moises Alou. Moises Alou over on the left field uh, stands there, left field line. Uh, yeah. Have you have you been to Wrigley? Yes. Have you looked at that spot and said that's where it happened? Um, I did when I had great seats. I, I, yes, I have looked down that line and, and thought, you're like, that's where it was. That's where Steve Bartman. Poor guy. Mm. Lifelong Cubs fan, like every, it's just, uh, it's a and I think I showered in in uh, all sorts of liquids. Uh, it's awful, awful. Well, I think it's pretty obvious who you want to pick. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, that's a that's that's a very iconic oh, sports yeah. moment. Oh yeah, e- even if you weren't a huge Mets fan, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to argue that's the most significant moment on that list. Oh yeah, yeah. One thing you liked. Uh, this Saturday, this past Saturday, another colleague on campus and I took a group of students down a seven-mile kayaking trip down the Tippecanoe River. I did not know this. Three hours on the Tippecanoe River in a kayak. And let me tell you, the fall foliage was peak. Yeah. And stunning. it was beautiful. How are the arms and the shoulders feeling from the rowing? Are you sore? No, not sore. I was tired that day. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, you're going with the water. You're paddling. You're helping out. You're not paddling that hard, to tell you the truth. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. Okay. That does sound fun. River river rafting. Okay. River kayaking. Yeah, whatever. not rafting. Yeah. There yeah. are no rapids there. No, no, no rapids. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, well, mine is something that you were a part of last week as well. We had a, had the privilege of having Zach from Ohio mm-hmm. on campus. He was originally here just to do some uh, recruiting for internships and such at at his church. Had planned on he brought a uh, a guy who goes to a uh, a high school student who goes to another church but is part of the uh, Karis Fellowship and mm-hmm. is going to come to Grace next year as a student. So that was great. And then last minute he was asked to. Fill in in chapel. Yep. And he did, did, a, did a great job. Yeah, it was a great message uh, because the guy who was supposed to speak had an unfortunate accident. That's – yes. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can't say more but in any case. Um, yeah, it was just – and then we grabbed lunch after after he spoke mm-hmm. in chapel. and on, a, on the chapel budget, which was – I always love eating on the chapel budget. Amen to that. Amen to that. So – Good time with Zach in Ohio. All right. Well, we have talked a good bit of sports with college football, NFL football, 
We've talked miracles. We have talked about the New York Mets and Bill Buckner's booting of the ground ball. Mm -hmm. We have talked about fall foliage. Oh, yeah. Peak, peak fall foliage. Yes, kayaking down the Tippecanoe River. We've talked about Zach from Ohio. And so I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.